Welcome to Life Church Birmingham. We are glad you have listened today. We know God has a plan and purpose for your life and want to help you be successful in Jesus Christ. We know you will receive a message of hope and encouragement. Thank you. Grab your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2. We're continuing our series called Arrival. And last week we talked about the arrival of peace. And today I want to talk to you about the arrival of joy. The arrival of joy. Come on, we, we could use some joy right now. Come on. The arrival of joy. Here's the scene. Luke chapter 2. Um, Jesus is appearing. Mary is given birth. The angels appear to the shepherds on the side on the edge of town, and verse 8 picks up on that story, and here's what it says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause, what, great joy for all the people, for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his fear or his favor rests. If you're an underliner, I want you to underline a couple things or at least look at them. In verse 10, it either says, fear not or do not be afraid. Whichever translation, same thing. Don't be afraid. Second thing, there will be great joy. Why should I not be afraid? And how will there be great joy? Verse 11, because today in the town of David, the Savior has been born to you. He's Messiah, the Lord. So how does the Lordship of a newborn baby boy make it possible for you and me to have joy this morning? How does he make that possible for us to have joy at Christmas in 2023? I mean, for you and your family, not just the shepherds. It is for everyone who says, Jesus is Lord, for all. Luke chapter 2 verse 10 we just read tells us that there's great joy coming into the world. How can that be? Because in the town of David, today a Savior has been born, Christ the Lord. What makes this great joy possible for all of us, for you and for me, for your family, for your neighbors, is There is a baby boy who will be a savior, yes, not just that, but the long-awaited Messiah, also 
that he is the Lord. I want to talk to you five reasons why the Lordship of Jesus Christ can give you joy. You might say, Tim, <laughs> don't you watch the news, man? <laughs> the sky is falling. The sky is falling. It's falling on my family. It's falling on my church. The sky is falling on our city. You might say, the sky is falling on our nation, on the world. How, how, how are you going to tell me that I can have great joy when the world is on fire? So that's our question. I think it's a good question. How can the lordship of a newborn baby boy make it possible for us to have great joy? Five reasons. I want you to write them down. Number one is this. Jesus is the Lord sent from God. So I'm going to be trekking through Luke 2. You probably won't have time to turn to most of them. So I've got them on the screen for you, the, most of them. Jesus is Lord sent from God. He's the divine Lord. When we say Jesus is Lord, we mean Jesus is God. Luke says it so many different ways in his gospel. Jesus is Lord sent from God. It's God from God to us. In the first two chapters of Luke alone, you can go back and fact check me later. The word Lord occurs 27 times. 25 of them referring to God. Um, I'll just breeze through a couple of them. Luke 2, 9. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Luke 2, 11. Today in the town of David, the Savior is born to you. He's Messiah, the Lord. No hesitation. No, no qualification. The Lord God sent his angel, and the glory of the Lord God shown in the child to be born is the Lord, sent from God to us. Luke 2.26 has been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he sees the Lord's Messiah. Luke 2.11, Christ the Lord, it, it virtually means the same thing. As the beginning of the book of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Lord's Christ. He is Christ the Lord. The Bible says he was born of a virgin. Now that's an interesting way to bring the Lord into the picture. The whole point of the story of the virgin birth is that Jesus is Lord, the Lordship of Christ. Gabriel says to young Mary, the angel Gabriel says to young Mary, hey, you're going to have a baby. She's like, that's interesting. How's that going to work out for me? I'm not even married. I'm a virgin. How, how am I going to have a baby? Angel says, Luke 135 on the screen, 
here's how that's going to work out. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called what? Son of God. This is the Holy Spirit, listen, making it clear, making it clear that no human father would be needed because he is going to work an unfathomable miracle in Mary's womb so that there will be a child with two natures, man and God, divine and human. Jesus is the God-man. Jesus is Lord. Luke ends his book with an interesting scenario. At the end of the book of Luke uh, 24, here's the scene. He was leaving and ascending to heaven. He had given final commands, go and wait. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Before you do that, go wait. Got a gift. Send the Holy Spirit. It all makes sense later, but just obey me. While he was blessing them, he left them. He was taken up into heaven. They worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with what? Great joy. And they stayed, continued at the temple. What were they doing? Praising God. So what did they do? They worshiped him. Who's the him here? They worship Christ. That's the point of Luke's gospel. Worship him with great joy. <laughs> That's the point. That's the point. You, you can have great joy this Christmas because Jesus is the Lord God sent from God. Jesus is Lord means Jesus is God. He's Lord sent from God. Number two. Jesus is a historical Lord. All right, I don't want to lose you here. You read some of the Bible and you, you think to yourself sometimes, hmm, I'm sure that's in there for a reason, but like, so what? Why is that there? You can have great joy because Jesus is a historical Lord. What I mean is, the accounts that we will talk about and read about and think about and celebrate of the birth and arrival of Jesus, they're, they're not mythical. Um, this is not uh, Narnia, <laughs> right? This is, this is not um, um, in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> it's not Greek mythology. It's world history. Not Middle Earth. <laughs> it's world history. It takes place, Luke 1, 5, in the days of Herod, king of Judea. Okay? Mary was from a city, a city of Galilee named Nazareth. A real town. I looked it up. It's still there this morning. A real place. She came with Joseph to where? To Bethlehem. Guess what? Another real town. Still there. About five miles outside of Jerusalem. Because there was a decree 
sent out from who? Caesar Augustus. Like, who cares? <laughs> who cares because God laid it on the heart of the most powerful person on the planet to call for a census because he needed a virgin to move and get herself to a certain location so that when her water broke and when that baby came, she would be where the prophet said she would be. <laughs> Don't you see? <laughs> this was the first registration. When Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Who cares? Who cares? Because every historian can look up and they know. They know there was a governor of Syria at that time by that name. He's a real person, a historical God. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that this would be taken the entire Roman world. Everyone went to their town to register. Joseph went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee. Don't you see, friend? How about John? His Baptist, John the Baptist ministry. I worked on these pronunciations. We'll see how I do. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod Tetrarch of Galilee, the brother of Philip Tetrarch of Thurea, and Tricontus, Tricontus and Licinius Tetra of Abilene. Why? Why? Because here's the point. They're real people. They really had an office. They really ruled. You can look them up in world history. This isn't myth. This is fact. This is how it happened. That's the point of them being there. He's a historical God. The point is that Jesus was real. He was just as real as if he would have been born when Joe Biden was president of the United States, Kay Ivey, the governor of Alabama, and Randall Woodfin, the, the mayor of Birmingham. Don't you see? He's a historical guy. He's a historical guy. It's possible to have great joy because Jesus is a historical Lord. The third one is this. Jesus is all-powerful. He's an all-powerful Lord. You could have great joy because Jesus, born of a virgin, laid in a feeding trough, a little cutaway cave where animals would stay at night. He's an all-powerful Lord. He's Lord over wind and waves. You need to know that. Do you remember the story of the disciples? They're hanging out with Jesus. They're on a three-hour tour, a three-hour tour. A tiny ship was tossed at sea. And Gilligan, millionaire. So they were, they were in the, they're, they're all freaking out. Jesus, don't you know what you're, we're going to drown. We're about to drown, Jesus. Jesus got up, 
<laughs> Isn't it funny? He, he rebukes the wind and the waves. The raging waters, the NIV says. The storm subsided and all was calm. I just want you to see this picture. And those guys turn to each other and they're saying, did, did you see that? Am, am I the... Did you see what happened? He opened his mouth and commanded the winds and the waves, and they obeyed him. <laughs> He's all powerful. Who is this who commands even the winds and the waters, and they obey him? He's all powerful. You can have joy because he commands. He's Lord over wind and waves. He's Lord over demonic spirits. Luke 4, 41. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You're the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. I don't want you to have this picture of heaven where there's two forces battling it out. There's Jesus fighting on the good side and there's Satan fighting on the bad side and we're going to just duke it out and we're going to pray and hope that Jesus wins and we're just going to believe for the best and, you know, Jesus might take a few blows here and there and he might get down, but we're just going to believe he's going to get back up and he's going to finally choke out the devil and one day he's going to, friend... They didn't open their mouth without him allowing them. He has dominion over the spirit realm. He has authority over the spirit realm. And in the name of Jesus, you can evoke that name, believer, and take authority. Don't you see? He's an all-powerful God over demonic spirits. He's Lord over sickness and diseases. Luke 4.40 says this, at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who have various kinds of sicknesses and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. All were healed. Not some, but all. Every single one. No failures. No one walked away ill. No one walked away with disease. Those who touched Jesus were made new. No one walked away with strep throat or arthritis or bursitis or kidney dysfunction. No one walked away with liver diseases or bleeding disorders or blood disorders. No one walked away with cancer or skin conditions. All who touched Jesus were He's all-powerful, friend. He's all-powerful. And he is Lord over your and my greatest enemy, death. He's Lord over death. He's all power. Here's the scene. A boy had died. Jesus walks up on the funeral procession. He went up and touched the beard, which is his casket. Yours might say box or coffin. They were carrying him on. So Jesus walks up. And he, and he, and he, and he, they're carrying, he, he 
he touches him. And the bears, Paul bears, stood still. They're startled. Jesus says, young man, get up. Oh, oh, get up. <laughs> the dead man sat up, began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Jesus has authority over death. Though we may die, we will live forever. Though, listen, it's appointed a man once to die, but in Christ, oh, you may die, but you'll live forever. He has authority over death. He can stop funerals. Listen, he has, he's preparing a place for you. Your greatest enemy, your greatest enemy, death. He has authority over death and the dying. And he's preparing a place. And he will come again. And he will raise the dead. And they will ascend to rule and reign with him. He has authority over death. He's all powerful. He's all powerful. He's Lord over details. Some of you got complicated situations. Oh, it's complex. Can I tell you, he's Lord over details. I thought about this this week. It's a theory. You may have heard of it. The butterfly effect. You know it goes something like this. There's a butterfly over the tip of South Africa. The butterfly flaps its wings. Stirs the wind. A few particles of sand move. You adjust the winds just right. A series of events. Blah, 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 blah. And a Category 3 hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico. Cause and order. Jesus has the ability to reverse the butterfly effect. All right. Can you see Luke, the Gospel of Luke writer, begin his book with this story? God's going to choose a virgin and her betrothed. They're living in Nazareth. Their family line was from Bethlehem, where the Messiah would be born. To get this little virgin girl to the proper birthplace, he has to put it in the mind of the most powerful person on the planet, Caesar Augustus, who really ruled, who was living a thousand miles away to call for emperor-wide emperor registration. Involving millions and millions of people. Because exactly at the moment that it needed to happen, this little obscure, little virgin Hebrew girl, pregnant, this from Nazareth would be in Bethlehem. I looked it up. You can drive it this morning. 27 kilometers. Mathematicians can do the real measurement. It takes about 38 minutes with traffic in your car. He needed to transplant this little girl. He's got over details. He's got over details. And some of you have got some details 
that got you all worked up. It's hard not to get worked up. Come on. It's, and you got details that get you all worked up. God did all this to fulfill his prophecy. That's amazing. He's all-powerful, all-governing, and he's doing that today. He's doing that today. Do you think that the great events on the world stage are about nations and industries? They're not. They're not about nations and industries. God governs the world for the sake of his children. And Jesus governs the world for the sake of those who say Jesus is Lord and means it. Think about the events that got you here today. Just see. He's got over the details. Every one of them. He's all powerful. Fourth, Jesus is Lord forever. He's not a temporary. He's not voted in for four years. He, 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 he's, he, he, he'll last longer than Vladimir Putin's reign. <laughs> he, he, he'll, he, he'll last longer than that senator or congressperson that keeps getting voted in for 30 and 40 years in a row. We won't chase that rabbit trail. But Jesus is Lord forever. You can have great joy because the Jesus who came for you is Lord forever. Angel Gabriel says to Mary, Luke 1, verse 31, you'll conceive, Mary, and you'll give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord, God, will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Never. He will reign forever. His kingdom will have no end. If you are the subject of his lordship, and you are surrendered to the lordship of Christ, you will live forever. You will live forever. Oh, I thought you said we'd die. Oh, we will. But we will live forever. Oh, don't, don't think this temporary shell is all there is, friend. You were created to live forever. The reason Jesus came was that so that he could be with you forever. He will raise your body from the dead according to the word. And he will bring you with him into everlasting life, forever. And his power, right, to govern all things will never end. That's hard to fathom. As a little boy, I would try to think about, you know, the whole time-space continuum deal. And you know, you're, when you're 10, you know, your world history is like 10 years. <laughs> so when people talked about, like, who the president was for Jimmy Carter, I thought might as well have been talking about Moses. Like, <laughs> I mean, he wasn't around when I was around. <laughs> but 
You just think about that concept forever. Forever. Why did you think all this happened? Jesus is Lord forever. He's Lord forever. Number five. We'll land here. Jesus is the joy-filled Lord. How can I have joy at Christmas? Because Jesus is full of joy. The Lord, listen, I don't know if you know this, the Lord is full of joy. God is happy this morning. God is full of joy. He's not depressed, full of anxiety. He's not worried. He's not trying to figure it out. How's this going to work out? He's full of joy. You can have great joy because Jesus. He's the perfect embodiment of the Father's joy. When the angels say uh, to Mary or to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest, they're they're obeying God. That's, That's what God wants them to say, right? It's a happy shout. Glory to God in the highest. No. Glory to God in the highest. Can you imagine coming from heaven, from God, and bringing this news? It's a happy shout. It's a glad night. And the happiness started not on earth. It started in heaven. It started in heaven. Luke completes the picture of God's joy later in his gospel. He, he's the one who records. I think he's the only one that has all three parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Luke 15. Luke 15. Jesus tells all three parables to explain why am I eating with tax collectors and sinners? Those poor tax collectors, they got their own category of bad, didn't they? <laughs> I mean, you know, if you work for the IRS, no offense. <laughs> it was like government institu- institutionalized organized crime. Yeah, we're going to get, Caesar's going to get his, and whatever you get off the top is yours, and it was extortion at the highest level, and so they were despised, and many got wealthy doing it. Why am I... Why are you eating with these people? Don't you know what they do? So he tells a story of the lost coin. We'll just focus on one verse. Verse 9, is what, here's what it says. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Hey, rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. Her coin represents Jesus finding a lost sinner. That's like the point. Why do I eat with tax collectors and sinners? Because there's this woman who lost the coin. And then she finds it. And she invites with great joy, celebrate, I found my coin. Some reason, twenty dollars feels funner 
when you find it in the dryer. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, oh, especially if you didn't remember where it was. <laughs> Look at that. It's like a slot machine. You just put clothes in it, spits money out. This is great. <laughs> because why? Because you've found something you lost, and Jesus says, look, look, she's asking them to come and rejoice because a sinner has come home. That's the point of the story. And what about, uh, 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 it, the, the um, okay, in Luke 15, 10, it goes on to say this. Throw that up there real quick. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing, now listen, rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, once you get this picture right, look carefully at the wording. It doesn't say there is joy among the angels. What it says is there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God. So there's joy before the angels. There's joy in their presence. Where does the joy emanate from? Where does the joy that's in the presence, it emanates, it comes from the Father. That's God's happiness. And they're enjoying his joy and celebrating with him. It comes from the happiness of God when one comes home. Angels are experiencing and rejoicing with God. because You ever been around someone excited? And you just get excited with them. I mean, they, something great's happened in your life, in their life, and you oh, and all of a sudden you you feel exhilaration. Oh, I love to watch sports, and especially like the one-on-one, -on -one, like wrestling and swimming and track and field. It's just them and whatever, and you just get emotion. You see the strain, and it, they they break a record or win a medal, and you're just yeah, 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 I'm so proud of them. Never met them in my life. <laughs> Can you imagine being around the presence of God? And all of a sudden, God begins to rejoice. God's joy is contagious. What about the lost son? The lost prodigal son. Come on, team. He has squandered his father's inheritance. Gambling, drinking, prostitutes, whatever. God knows what else in the story. It's bad. He's eating pig food. He went from the 52nd story of the high rise in Vegas to the slums. He's, he's, he's out of money. Interesting. Out of money and friends at the same time. <laughs> He's eating pig food, and he thinks to himself, what am I, what has come of me? There are people who are servants at my father's house who are better off than this. I'm going to go home, beg for forgiveness, and maybe, just maybe, he will allow me to be a servant until I can pay off all this debt that I just blew, and maybe at least I won't be eating this. And I can earn his favor 
You need to know the historical context of the story. I can earn the Father's favor back if I just do enough good. That's what he's thinking. Those who are listening to Jesus tell the story, that's what they're thinking. And here comes the twist that they didn't see coming. The Father sees the Son at a distance. While he was still a long way off, Luke 15, 20. His father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, and ran to his son. The dignified thing, would have, the expected thing would have been the father standing on the porch. He'd crawl. You've done bad got to pay the piper. Jesus said, that's not, that's not how this thing works. He's looking at his son. That's how he used to walk. I recognize his gait. I, rec I recognize his head's low. I see him. He sees him. He picks up his robe, this old man, and starts running. Starts running. He runs, he runs, he threw his arms around him, and he, and he begins to just cover him with kisses. He, cover, he covers him, and he begins to welcome him and love him. And son, The people listen to the story going, what is this? What is this? And then, if that's not enough, in 22, he, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the fatted calf and kill it. We're eating good tonight, boys, because my son is home. The lost son is home. This son of mine was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. So they began to what? Celebrate. You can have joy this Christmas because Jesus is a joy-filled Lord. God is full of joy. He's full. He's happy that you're here today. He's, he's celebrating when one person, when one person says, Jesus is Lord. And the angels experience that. And they go, whoa, whoa, do you feel that? Do you feel that? They bring the joy of the Father. Father says in Luke 15, 32, and here's where we land. We, we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours is dead. We, like we had to. Don't, don't you see? Don't you see? We had to. You can have joy this Christmas. You can have joy this Christmas because... Jesus is Lord sent from God. He's God from God to, to us. He's a historical Lord in a real place, in a real time, with real people and real history. You can, it's historical. He's, he's all powerful. Whatever 
you are in need of, he has the capacity to handle it. He's Lord forever. He's Lord forever. Don't, 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 don't get so caught up in the now that you forget that you miss the forever. This too will pass. Whatever it is, whatever it is, the greatest high and the deepest low, this too will pass. This hurt will pass. This temporary excitement of what a con- it will pass, and you will experience the Lord for eternity. Don't, don't put all your eggs in this basket. The Bible says it like, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. <laughs> store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He's the joy-filled Lord. My son's first day on his new job, Huntsville Police Department. Hey, how'd it go? He said, well, I don't know. It was kind of quiet. We talked a few people out of killing themselves, and we helped a homeless guy move his stuff out of the front of a store. He said, yeah, the stats go through the ceiling when um, went up. Holidays come, people get depressed. He said it's kind of rewarding. One guy was super appreciative, the other person fought us, but we're trying to help him. If you're full of hopelessness, Jesus has real joy for you. A lady yesterday at the outreach prayed for me. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Didn't think I got cancer. Sweet lady, you, you don't have to do that. Try to minister to her. You, you can have real joy because Jesus is Lord over your circumstances. Because, because if you know him, your name's written. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Do we have authority over demonic forces? In Jesus' name, yes. But don't let that be the source of your rejoicing. Rejoice that your name's written. Rejoice with that. Would you bow your head and close your eyes if you're here today and you need a joy-filled Savior to just wrap his arms around you and to love you and encourage you. He is here. He is here. If you're watching online today and you say, hey, uh, Tim, um, today I I need a joy-filled Savior to help me. He's here for you. He's here. He's more real. He's more real than the hand at the end of your arm. He's more real. He's more real. He's a forever God. He loves you. If you're here today, you're watching online, maybe on the YouTube channel or Facebook Live, maybe here in person, and you need the joy of the Master to just wrap his arms around you. He's here for you. He loves you. He loves you. The Bible says to cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And right now, my prayer is that the miracle, the presence of God would be here for you. He's historical, he's real, he's all powerful, he's got enough authority to take care of your situation. He's Lord over and above mental health and anxiety and depression and stress. He's Lord over disorders in your body. He's Lord over even death. Even death. He's Lord over all those things. 
He's got a plan and purpose for you. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. If you're here today, first of all, and you would stand before God, and he would ask you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you be able to say? What would you be able to say? I can't say, personally, I've gotten enough cats out of trees and helped enough old ladies across the street, and we can't say we've given enough food away. None of that gets you into heaven. The only thing, the only thing that will help you, the only one who can forgive your sins is Jesus. Jesus is the God of man. He came, lived at born of a virgin, spotless, a blemishless life, never had sin. He was the perfect sacrifice, the only one who could. And he laid his life down for you, friend. He bled for you. He was whipped for you. He was nailed to a cross for you. He took the beating of that rod for you, the crown of thorns on his head. He was mocked for you, for you, for you. He humbled himself. He became the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He was slain. He died. So you could be raised to life. And to prove his authority to do that by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was raised up again. His tomb is empty. His tomb is empty. He has authority. His tomb is empty. I'm telling you, his tomb is empty. He has authority to forgive your sins if you'll just ask him. If you're here today and you need a Savior, you need a Redeemer, first things first. Tim, pray for me. Today, I need, I need, there's stuff that separates me from God, and I need to get that right. If there's something between you and God, you've got uh, sin in your life, You've never been born again. Maybe you're far away. Maybe you say, hey, Tim, I'm a Christian. I'm just not acting like one. I'm super far away from God. I don't know how this happened, but if I'm honest with myself, that's my reality. God's on the front porch. He's not having, he doesn't have his arms folded with a scowl on his face asking you to beg and beg and beg. He's looking. Is that my son, my daughter coming home? And when you begin that he runs to you. If that's you, you need a Savior. You need a Redeemer. You need God to forgive you. You need to be born again. You need to be saved. You're so far from God. You, 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 you just need to come back to him. If you're, that's you in any of those categories, in count of three, Tim, pray for me. That's me. Today, before I leave today, I need you to pray for me. Please pray for me. That's what I need. On the count of three, just wave at me. Wave at me. One, talking to you. Two, this is for you. This is for you. Three, all over the place. You say, Tim, I'm far from God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, come on. He's the Savior, yeah. Come on, he's the Redeemer. <clears throat> he's the Master. Come on, far from God. I don't want to be. I don't want to be. You don't have to be, friend. Salvation is found in Jesus alone, in him alone. He loves you. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a purpose for you. All right, if you say, Tim, hey, man, I've got some situations. You talked about Jesus being all-powerful. I sure need some all-powerful Lord in my life, I've got some stuff. I just need to, I just need God. I, I, it's a long story, and there's a bunch of it, and it's complicated, and i got a story, and I just need the Lord. I just need some, the joy-filled Savior to come and help my situation. Pray for me, Tim, on the count of three. One, two, three, all over the place. Come on, I just need some joy, a joy-filled Savior. Yeah, a joy-filled Savior. <laughs> Maybe you're here today, and you say, I need genuine joy in my life. 
heavy, going through the motions. I don't, I just want to joy the Lord. Would you pray for me? Just lift up all over the place. We just need some joy. Some joy of the Lord. Would everyone across the room stand to your feet real quick? Just stand all over the place. Stand all over your place. We're going to pray for you in just a moment. If you raise your hand, you should have. For those things or anything else, we want to pray for you. Would you take a moment to just pause in your seat? I want you to think about this question. What is God saying to you? What is, what is God reminding you of, of the sermon? What is he trying to say to you? I think, I believe, I know he's saying one thing. I'm your savior. I'm your redeemer. I love you. Son, come on home. Daughter, come on home. Would you bow your head? Close your eyes. Can we just pray to him right now? Before we pray for one another, can we just pray to him? Can we pray a prayer of just homecoming? Some of you raised your hand. Maybe you didn't, but you should have. You say, I just, I need to come home. I need to come home. <laughs> Let's pray this together out loud, everyone. Dear Lord, I want to come home ask that you would forgive me for sin. I do love you. I confess that you're the Lord of my life. And with your strength today, I surrender to you. I believe that you are raised from the dead. And you're God of eternity. Come back to you, and I say, love you. I love you. Just tell me you love me right now. Just come on back. Just tell me you love me. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Dispatch your joy. Lord, I pray that you would dispatch your joy. We love you, Jesus. Just begin to tell me you love him. You need the joy of the Lord. Just begin to reach out to him. God, fill us with great joy. If you need, if, if, you, if, you, if you're sick in body, Lord, I, I ask for you to heal me. If you're confused, God, I pray for clarity. You're the Lord over chaos and all circumstances and detail. Lord, use them for your glory and my good. You're the master, I love you. You're the master. I love you, Jesus. Our prayer team's coming. They're going to stand to the right and left. Real quick, guys, if you'll come. If you'll come and stand. We're going to pray for you. If we can pray with you about anything. If you, if you pray to come if you pray to come back, we just want to connect with you and encourage you. If you're sick in body and need prayer, you say, I just have just stuff and, you know, I just, just pray for you. We want to pray for you. We want to thank you for listening to the message today. We would love for you to stop by and see us. Our services start at 10 a.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights with various small groups throughout the week. Here at Life Church, we hope you have a great week.